dubious distinction. Roy's going to be known, I think, across Canada at this point. How does an Abbotsford man rack up a record number of DUIs? Fatal fire. At least four people uh, were rescued during the fire. A tragic start to 2024 in Surrey. Celebrating the new year with thrills. We never expected to have a New Year's baby. No. <laughs> You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and Happy New Year. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. Last month, a 66 year old Abbotsford man was sentenced to nearly five years behind bars after being convicted for drinking and driving. And while at first glance that may seem harsh, it was the man's 21st impaired driving conviction. As Kristen Robinson reports, it's believed to be a Canadian record. When Roy Hyde was arrested in August 2022, he was a prohibited driver in B.C. with a blood alcohol level over two times the legal limit, according to Abbotsford police, who say he'd already amassed a stunning 19 impaired driving convictions in Canadian provinces and another for impaired driving causing bodily harm. Mr. Hyde has definitely set the bar high in a, in a way that we don't want to see. Hyde was charged with two counts of impaired driving causing bodily harm for the motorcycle crash on Clearbrook Road, which injured his passenger. One charge was stayed. The 66-year-old was found not guilty of the other and instead convicted of impaired driving for the 21st time. Abbotsford police believe it's a Canadian record. I don't think that there's anybody in this country that has had more convictions for impaired operation of a motor vehicle by alcohol than Roy has. Hyde's first BC impaired conviction dates back to 1998 in Victoria. He was given a 25-year driving ban under the Motor Vehicle Act. His latest netted him a lifetime criminal driving ban. Hyde also has 14 convictions for driving while disqualified, 12 for failing to comply with court orders, and 7 for failing to appear for court. Police say being a prohibited driver does not prevent you from insuring a vehicle with ICBC, and Hyde was the registered owner of this motorcycle. What Mr. Hyde has done specifically is egregious, it's belligerent, it's over the top, and it paints a clear picture that there's very little that will prevent him from physically operating a motor vehicle if we give him the opportunity to do so. This is what takes innocent people's lives. Marquita Collius lost her 22-year-old daughter Cassandra to a drunk driver in 2011. She's still fighting for tougher sentencing laws. This gentleman sadly thinks he's above the law. In many cases, our laws are much too lax on impaired driving. Um, it's sad, though, that he's made that choice to put everyone on the road at risk. Hyde was open about his struggles with drinking in a 2020 social media post. I listened to people from AA and realized that I was an alcoholic, so the more I listened, the more cured I became, and I'm probably glad to say that me and alcohol have had a serious divorce. His criminal resume says otherwise. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Police in Dawson Creek are asking for the public's help in a homicide investigation. RCMP were called to 17th Street and 116th Avenue yesterday for a report of a suspicious vehicle. Police found a man dead in a red Dodge Caliber. The RCMP's North District Major Crime Unit is now helping with the investigation. Anyone with information about the vehicle or the man is asked to call Dawson Creek RCMP. One person is dead and several in hospital after fire erupted in a large South Surrey home this morning. It happened in a home in an upscale neighborhood that neighbors say was a rental. 
As Romina Dale reports, had it not been for the heroics of one man, it could have been much worse. Neighbors say they heard a loud bang around 6.30 in the morning. The fire moved incredibly fast. Say people who know the victim's family, they are still in shock. We're hearing family and friends were celebrating the start of the new year. Surrey RCMP say the home was engulfed in flames when officers arrived. Firefighters already on scene, a dramatic rescue unfolding. Global News has learned one of the young men who escaped the burning home caught a woman who jumped from a balcony. At the time when officers arrived, there were several emergency responders on scene um, and at least four people uh, were rescued during the fire. Surrey Fire tells us their crews rescued three people off the balcony. Tragically, an elderly person did not survive. The senior was found dead inside the home. Ten people were treated on scene and six people were transported to hospital. Some have been released, but one person was still in the ICU, according to a family friend. The property manager confirmed it's a rental home and the owner is overseas. The property assessed at almost $3 million, according to BC Assessment. Surrey Fire and RCMP are still investigating the cause of the blaze. At this stage, it does not appear to be suspicious. There's no indication of New Year's fireworks either. Romina Dea, Global News. Two men have now been charged after shots were fired in Surrey's Guilford neighborhood last week. RCMP were called to the area of 101st Avenue and 156th Street Friday afternoon. Two suspects had fled the area in a blue Range Rover. Police tried to stop the vehicle, but officers say one of the suspects pointed a gun at them. The suspects were tracked down in Langley. 24-year-old Roman Arinder Gill and 28-year-old Sean Narinder Gill are both facing several charges. Surrey RCMP say both men are known to them and have ties to the gang conflict. Two crashes in a week, four people dead. Last night, we highlighted the safety concerns with Highway 5 between Kamloops and Jasper. While some upgrades have taken place, as Angela Jung reports tonight, many locals feel a lot more needs to happen to prevent more deaths. Highway 5 North is a busy corridor for commercial truckers and locals. We have to drive that highway. We cannot access medical services without going down that road. We can't access educational services without going down that road. It needs to be safer. Barrier resident Jennifer Nickel moderates the Facebook page Highway 5 Road Conditions Kamloops to Jasper. The people of this area are really scared that the next accident is going to be somebody else we know and love. Last Thursday, four people were killed in two separate crashes, minutes apart on Highway 5. Barrier's mayor is fed up. More hasn't been done to improve highway safety. And the passing lane where the three people lost their lives on Thursday was the same spot that two other people died on Labor Day weekend. So that's five fatalities in four months. The Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure says it has completed several passing lane projects totaling $21 million, is doing ongoing pavement rehabilitation along the corridor, and has finished the installation of roadside barrier at Perkis Corner. But the brand new lit chevrons on the Perka Corner uh, had only been installed for two weeks, and a transport truck still didn't slow down, went into the oncoming lane and killed two people. So that's, those are just band-aid solutions. Stammer adds enforcement needs to be stepped up. The ministry says the Commercial Vehicle Safety Enforcement Branch patrols the highway seven days a week. 
Since February, officers issued 4,300 violation tickets to commercial vehicles and 2,600 tickets for speeding. The mayor says it's time the ministry stops stalling and implement mandatory dash cams for commercial truckers. All the municipalities and regional districts in British Columbia agreed with our resolution to have mandatory dash cams and we're still waiting. The ministry says its staff is researching this option. Until more is done to improve safety, some residents remain on edge. Every time I hear the sirens go, I hold my breath. Angela Jung, Global News. Heading into 2024, new data shows Canadians are still struggling with affordability worries. According to polling conducted exclusively for Global News, 69% of Canadians are concerned they can't absorb a surprise expense of $1,000 or more. That is up two points from April and six points from September. Meanwhile, 53% fear they might not have enough money to feed their families. To cope with high costs in 2024, 53% of Canadians aim to cut back on dining out, 48% plan to use flyers to find sales, and 45% say they will reduce their entertainment spending. New year, new costs. Some expenses are set to go higher for British Columbians in 2024 as the price of food, travel and utilities keeps on climbing. Global's Janet Brown has the details on what you can expect. Cost of living is definitely high. The cost of living is hurting a lot of people. Everything's so expensive, right? And it's, it's, it's very hard. Uh, I don't want to get emotional, but like it's... I don't know what to say. Many are hoping they'll get a reprieve this year with some lower prices. Pretty expensive everywhere you go. I mean, you can see it in the grocery stores everywhere. And it's always so inflated. However, economic forecasts predict prices will continue to rise in 2024. Everything from food, housing, gas, and even ferry fares. It almost feels these days like everything is going up except your paycheck. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation has released its annual New Year Tax Changes Report for 2024, highlighting some of the major tax increases that will impact British Columbians and people across the country. So Canadians are struggling, and what's so awful is that it almost feels like governments are going out of their way to make life more expensive. According to Canada's Food Price Report, Total food prices are expected to increase by 2.5 to 4.5 percent in 2024. Home prices in Vancouver are expected to go up by 3 percent by the end of this year. The first provincial carbon tax will go from 14 cents to 17 cents a litre of gas on April 1st. Fortis BC electricity rates are going up by 6.74 percent, costing the average customer about an extra $11.26 a month. And starting April 1st, BC Ferry fare prices are going up by an average of 3.2% each year over the next four years. I know some friends who are cutting certain expenses or ourselves just to be able to manage. For now, people are counting on wages going up to try and keep up with the rising cost of inflation while making do where they can. You just have to manage your money wisely and do the best you can in these Tough times. Janet Brown, Global News. And let's bring in Keith Baldry, who's live in Victoria, with more on the carbon tax. Keith, how much is it expected to bring in, and where might that money go? 
Yeah, Premier David Eby dropped some pretty broad hints in his year-end interview with us that something's coming, something's being worked on on the hydro rate front, uh, some sort of affordability measure expected to be in the budget. BC Hydro's finances are a bit of a mess right now because of a historic drought, so their revenues are down. They're not in a position to offer money back. But as Janet noted, the carbon tax is going up. The last year's increase is going to work out to about 400 to $600 million in additional revenue. If the same amount of money pours in next year, here's what the numbers could look like in terms of a if a portion of it was put towards a hydro rebate. Assume a $500 million increase in revenue could be used here. $400 million for 2 million residential customers works out to about $200 or $16.66 a month. A commercial customers, there's about 225,000 of them. If they got $100 million, they get a slightly well, a larger rebate of $445 or $37 a month. So that's sort of ballpark figures, Jordan, of what we could be looking at in terms of a hydro rebate. If indeed one is in that budget, uh, the Premier certainly uh, hinted quite strongly in his interview with us. Something's coming on the affordability front from the B.C. government. Uh, my money is some sort of, of taking that carbon tax revenue, and a bunch of it already goes out to uh, in form of credits and such, but a chunk of that could come back to hydro customers in the form of a rebate. Not a huge one, but certainly that type of money would offset some of the other increases you saw in Janet's story. All right. Thanks for this, Keith. Happy New Year. You too. BC's first baby of 2024 arrived at exactly midnight, and it's a girl. Her name is Taylor, and she weighs 6 pounds, 14 ounces. She was born at Royal Columbian Hospital in New Westminster, which also welcomed the first New Year's baby in 2019 and 2020. It's pretty special. I think she'll appreciate it later when she grows up. <laughs> oh. Like, let's hope to make it till the January 1st and yeah. it won't be born on that. Julia really wanted New Year New baby. Year. Mom had to be induced, so baby Taylor arrived nearly three weeks before her due date. The new parents say they're happy to have a healthy baby as their journey was challenging and included IVF treatment in Europe. Rebuilding from the ashes with the community's help. I think there's probably 100 or 200 people that have told us that they're going to volunteer. The B.C. resort badly damaged by wildfire and its ambitious plan to reopen. Next on the News Hour. A series of powerful earthquakes hit Japan, collapsing buildings and prompting a tsunami alert, triggering evacuations. That's later. Plus. Oh, so cold. Bringing in the new year with a chilly plunge, the tradition, and what may have bolstered the courage of participants this year. Right now, the huge out-of-control Kukipi Creek wildfire tore through more than 15,000 hectares of forest around the Fraser Canyon in August. One of the businesses in its path was the Rio Rafting and Yoga Resort. It was badly damaged and almost destroyed. Now, as Aaron MacArthur reports, after months of hard work and a successful online fundraising campaign, the resort's owners say against all odds they will be ready to reopen on June 1st. The intensity of the flames, hard to comprehend. The Kukupi Creek fire destroying dozens of buildings and businesses. The Rio Resort suffering losses to about two-thirds of its property. Everything from buildings to buses and infrastructure reduced to ash. Four months later, a new year and a new beginning. The resort planning to reopen by June. The community promising to help get the operation back up and running. The support's been amazing. I think there's probably 100 or 200 people that 
have told us that they're going to volunteer and come up on weekends or whenever they can to help us with the renewal and the rebuilding. The fall was spent clearing trees and repairing the road. The dirty work necessary to hit the ground running once the snow is gone. There was no fire insurance. The owners forced to get creative to keep the business operating. A GoFundMe page has raised more than $100,000. Much of that used to get Rio to where it is now. Brian Fogelman looking outside the box to help meet operating expenses. Our new uh, yoga and wellness center, we're hoping that we may be able to find a corporate or personal uh, sponsor uh, for the naming rights. Um, we're just going to be very creative in, in how we're able to, to pull this off. The resort has been in business for four decades, and now it's being rebuilt with resiliency in mind. Key systems destroyed by fire will be re-engineered to meet the new reality of climate change and the risk of future fires. Because we're off-grid, um, we're definitely going to rely more on solar power. Our propane tanks that we use for heated water and so on will be buried, um, not above ground. The glamping tents next to the river weren't damaged by fire and will provide the basis for the operation. Rio will be able to accommodate most of its reservations, running at about 50 to 60% of its normal capacity. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Some background here. The Kukupee Creek fire was first spotted on July 8th and is believed to have been caused by lightning. Early on, the fire jumped Highway 1 in the Fraser Canyon, forcing the closure of that important route from August 18th to the 29th. It is still causing problems. Fears of a landslide caused the highway to be shut again briefly in early December. The fire was finally declared out on December 6th after 151 days, burning 17,405 hectares and destroying 27 structures. Just ahead, turning heads in Coal Harbor. No, I like to feel the bad. The aquatic visitors thrilling onlookers and we're not talking about the seagulls here. Plus, what might the be the most the Vegas nights. entrance ever for an NHL team? Jay Janowar has highlights from the Winter Classic later in sports. Vancouver police are asking for your help tonight to find a missing 34-year-old man who has special needs. Police say Blue Thomas was last seen leaving his Killarney area home earlier today. The DPD says Thomas is nonverbal and recently moved to the neighborhood. They say he may appear confused. He's six feet tall, has a medium build with short black hair and a goatee. Anyone who sees him is asked to call 911. If you've been near the seawall in Vancouver's Coal Harbor neighborhood lately, you've probably seen them or heard them. A raft of sea lions is making a splash on social media. It turns out it's not unusual for the animals to be in the area at this time of year. Grace Key explains. One, two, three. Like one's over there. Eight, nine. Once I saw them all come up as a herd, it's quite stunning to witness. 20 maybe. That's crazy. The big marine attraction at Stanley Park isn't just at the Vancouver Aquarium. A herd of California sea lions is hanging out near the rowing club, and they're attracting plenty of curious onlookers. There's a whole family, and two of them kind of look like me and my sister. It's quite beautiful. I mean, I've lived in Vancouver a long time, and I've never seen anything like it. It's the first time I've seen sea lions here, and so many of them at once. No matter what the language, you can sense the excitement their every movement brings. Wow. 
Auf einem Haufen, ja. It's a very beautiful sight. It's worth watching. I just wonder why they are here. These are opportunistic animals. They're going to go where the food source is. So there's potential more of a food source in that area. The animals that are there are California sea lions and male California sea lions. So they, this time of year, kind of from um, mid-fall and through the spring, are up in BC waters, up from California and Oregon. The California sea lions have been feasting in this area for the past three to four weeks, and time will tell how long they'll be sticking around. They could be stick sticking around for a couple months if, if it's consistent with the, the patterns of the other California sea lions. They also might move on too. So we really hope that people have the chance to be able to just enjoy it because it is, it is kind of a phenomenon here uh, right now. The public is being asked to enjoy this rare opportunity, but from a distance. Grace Key, Global News. A serious jolt just hours into the new year. The whole room was shaking, the TV was shaking. I had to keep um, everything um, on the table. Japan hit by a series of quakes. Thousands of people evacuated. And what contributed to the scale of destruction next? Plus. You know, I think everybody that donates in a way has participated in my kids' survival. How one family is sharing their personal story, hoping it will encourage more people to roll up their sleeves and give. From breaking news to developing stories, no one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. If you get global news from Instagram or Facebook, that has changed due to Meta's decision to block Canadian news in response to new government legislation. Easy access to important breaking news and information in Canada and about your community is no longer available on Meta platforms. Go to globalnews.ca and sign up to get news alerts delivered directly to you and learn about how Bill C-18 affects your access to Canadian news. A series of strong earthquakes, including a magnitude 7.6, jolted Japan today, prompting tsunami warnings. The earthquake and more than a dozen smaller ones rattled Japan just hours into the new year. The impact of the quakes collapsed houses, cracked roadways, and knocked out power to thousands. With surreal and scary sights like this road cracking open, many in Japan started the new year with a series of strong earthquakes. It is quite scary. This tourist in Japan's Hakuba Valley says he's thankful to be safe. The whole room was shaking, the TV was shaking. I had to keep um, everything um, on the table. According to the Japan Meteorological Agency, more than a dozen quakes struck in the Sea of Japan near Ishikawa, prompting tsunami warnings for the length of the country's western coast. The agency initially issued Japan's highest level tsunami alert before downgrading it several hours later. You can see all the snow from the uh, electric wire goes down and also from the roof goes down and all the car is shaking and 
So everybody was, was panicked that time. The quake struck just after 4 p.m. local time, starting a fire, collapsing dozens of buildings in several towns and trapping people beneath the rubble. The government said more than 97,000 people in nine coastal prefectures were evacuated and may be in shelters for a few days. Well, it's of course devastating. BC Earth scientist Jessica Polarzik, who led a research team focused on Japan's geological history, says this was a shallow event, just 10 kilometers below the Earth's surface, contributing to the scale of destruction. 10 kilometers isn't quite that much of a distance, so there wasn't really a lot of energy dissipation occurring in between when the earthquake happened and when those waves, uh, seismic waves, reached the Earth's surface. More than 30,000 homes lost power as the country now grapples with warnings of aftershocks over the next few days. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. Turning to the conflict between Israel and Hamas, the fighting looks to last well into the new year, but there are signals the assault may be entering a new phase, with Israel announcing it will soon be withdrawing some of its reservist troops. Redmond Shannon explains why. Close to one million children inside Gaza are not spending this new year at home. For many, the homes they fled are in ruins, alongside their hopes for the year ahead. I wish not to die in 2024, says 11-year-old Leanne. We have no bathroom, no food and no water. Our childhood is gone. Above their heads, rockets fired toward Israel are intercepted. Hamas calling the barrage revenge for Israel's massacre of civilians. On the ground, fighting rages into the new year too. Israel claiming it killed a Hamas commander involved in the October 7th attacks. But for the first time since then, Israel's military says it will pull back on some of its operations in Gaza withdrawing some reservists for now to get them back into their day jobs in Israel's economy and to move toward more localised attacks on Hamas targets in Gaza over the coming months. Well, I think it's part of the whole um, Israeli military plan in Gaza Strip. Basically, it was expected. Former Israeli intelligence official Avi Malamed says he expects a focus on the southern city of Khan Yunus and the Egypt-Gaza border, a target that Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu says he wants to control. One of the major sources of Hamas' huge incoming um, uh, smuggling of weapons and, and munitions and many other things is actually a huge, massive network of tunnels that Hamas dug beneath the Hamas, the Gaza and Egypt border. Across from Gaza's other border inside Israel, Defence Minister Yoav Gallant spoke from a kibbutz devastated in the October 7th attacks. He said members of some of those communities will be able to return home soon. Whether any of those traumatised survivors will want to go back is another matter. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Canadian Blood Services says more than 1,500 donations are needed here in B.C. by the end of the week. And one Langley family is sharing their story, illustrating just how valuable that gift of life can be. In April 2022, Alicia Openshaw's two-and-a-half-year-old son, Weston, was diagnosed with leukemia and started treatment. Four months later, his twin brother, Bennett, got the same diagnosis. Since then, the two boys have been going through chemotherapy and their treatment requires frequent blood transfusions. The boys 
were getting transfusions all the time and that was something that we never had to think about or worry about when they needed a blood transfusion it was there and they got it and it wasn't until I started donating blood that I realized you know if people didn't donate and we didn't have that as an option you know the, my boys wouldn't have even made it a week into treatment for their cancer. Both boys have been responding well to chemotherapy and are now in the maintenance phase of treatment. Hopefully their treatment will be done in August. You can go to blood.ca to book an appointment to donate blood. A common New Year's resolution is, of course, to cut back on alcohol consumption, with some even deciding to go dry in January. And while there are benefits to cutting back, you may need some tips on how to succeed after so much excess over the holidays. New Yorker Jalal Talib gave up alcohol for a month and noticed some big improvements. Sleep has gotten much deeper and better. I feel stronger physically and mentally. After the excesses of the holidays, many Americans consider going cold turkey for the entire month of January. But it can be daunting. I feel like I sleep a lot better when I don't drink, so I'm interested in trying. Alcohol use and abuse rose sharply during the pandemic. But a survey from the American Psychiatric Association found about a third of Americans say they're drinking less over the last three years. I think one of the biggest benefits of Dry January is it gives all of us a chance to re-examine our relationship with alcohol. Cutting back can be good for everything from heart health, blood pressure and liver function to improved sleep, mental clarity and mood. Dr. Jeremy Kidd says many find it tough to go the whole month without drinking. But there are some things you can do to succeed. Setting short-term achievable goals. So sometimes taking that week by week rather than an entire month. He also suggests using the buddy system and talking to a therapist if you need extra support. Talib says after finding he could part with alcohol temporarily, he decided to give it up for good. Everything is great in moderation. But with alcohol in specific, if you, if you stop it for a little, it'll make a big difference in your life. A small step that could lead to some big life changes. Michael George, CBS News, New York. When the wind hits just right. Even when you're going slow, like 15 miles an hour, it's still fun. The growing sport and fascination with ice sailing. Also ahead. Goosebumps and good times. Taking the polar bear plunge, what participants say, is the best part. That's later. That's a wrap on 2023. Hope you have a great 2024. Happy New Year. Hi, everyone. Just want to wish you a very happy new year. All the best for 2024. From my family to yours, wishing you all the best for 2024. On behalf of all of us here at Global BC, Happy New Year and all the best in 2024. Well, most people wouldn't think of landlocked Alberta as a great place to sail, especially not in the winter. But some adventurous souls are promoting just that, ice sailing on frozen Alberta lakes. Lowell Ross has been ice sailing in and around Edmonton for the last 35 years. You're taking something that isn't really a boat. It looks more like a narrow hull, or like in my case, it looks more like a platform. And you've got two blades back and one in the front. And you're using uh, sails, yes. 
He says ice sailing is an adrenaline rush. Once you have your momentum built up, there's a real thrill of traveling at 20, 30, 40, 50 K. But the conditions have to be just right. You need at least four inches of barren ice and at minimum a steady 15 kilometer an hour breeze. This winter's lack of snow has also been excellent. Particularly Cooking Lake and some of the other ones around here are quite shallow so they could freeze up and technically uh, you could be on the ice sailing even in October. Ross thinks if more people knew about the sport, they'd become addicted to the thrill. Once they've tried it and realized that it's not an exotic, expensive sport, they might get the bug. That was certainly the case for New York resident Paul Chamberlain. I always look forward to an opportunity to go ice boating and we'll actually drive thousands of miles to make it happen. This fall, Chamberlain drove from Albany, New York, to an ice boat builder in Detroit, to an ice boat swap meet in Minneapolis, and then finally to St. Paul, Alberta for the perfect ice. There's still no saleable ice down here. Well, we used to get it mid-December, uh, but with the warming trend in the world here, we're, we're, we're no longer getting it till, till January. He recently started getting into competitive races. Even when you're going slow, like 15 miles an hour, it's still fun. And when you're going 40 miles an hour, it's still fun, but you're starting to be a little nervous. They always wear helmets, just in case. Hoping to see the sport grow, Chamberlain plans to host an Alberta Ice Sailing Cup next fall. If we have two people, great. If we have 20 people, that'd be better. So very much looking forward to promoting uh, ice boating in Alberta. Sarah Ryan, Global News. Beautiful start to 2024 here on the Lower Mainland. Steph Florian has the forecast for us tonight. Steph. Thanks, Jordan. What a beautiful day. This ridge of high pressure arriving just in time to say goodbye to 2023 and hello to 2024. This is this morning, Burnaby New Year's sunrise sent in by Chris Sale. Thank you for that photo. We had some fog this morning. We will see the fog again around parts of the province into your morning tomorrow. But we also broke some more records. These were yesterday, last day of the year. Agassiz, Lytton, Squamish, Whistler, Terrace back to 1930 at 6.2 degrees. So we are seeing our temperatures begin to moderate, which is great news. Today's high was 8 degrees. We're going to be at 6 uh, seasonal, and we'll be heading closer to that as we get a little bit uh, later into the week. So I'll show you that. We have rain on the way through the overnight for Vancouver Island. As we get into tomorrow, it is going to be a wet one. Pockets around the province, lower mainland, are going to be seeing quite a bit of rain all up the coast. So we are expecting soggy days ahead so hopefully you enjoyed your first day of the year today with drier conditions there you go wet for the north coast two degrees some wet flurries there smithers minus one tomorrow prince george expecting a few flurries as well as quinnell mixed with some rainfall fort st john minus 11 Overnight low minus 11. Kelowna, we're sitting at 1. We're going to see some sunshine in the mix for tomorrow. Williams Lake, some mixed precipitation, otherwise a few flurries, but back closer to freezing or below freezing for the Columbia Kootenai region. Campbell River, 7 degrees. It's going to be wet. It's going to be windy all along the west side in Port Hardy. We're going to see those winds pick up here around the water in the morning hours, looking at southeasterlies around 30 kilometers per hour, daytime high of 8 degrees tomorrow. So back to those single digits. It's been a while, and we're going to coast right around that mark for the next several days with on and off rain and showers. It's going to be soggy, hopefully a little bit of sunshine into next weekend. Back to you. Hopefully. Steph, thank you. Mm. Double J's in, and a lot of people getting back into their routines, and that includes the Canucks. 
Well, well Sorry, played, I'm my sorry. friend. Well I played. I'd love that one up for you. Appreciate it. It has been a few days since we've seen the uh, Canucks in action. It has been practice, 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 and more practice for the Canucks. Went over some some stuff that we haven't gone over. Um, and it's good. I think the players wanted practice, uh, some touches. Uh, you know, I've heard some guys, you know, I, I want to get out there and get some touches, which is good. Um, Hopefully they're better touches than what we saw when they lost 4-1 to the Flyers on Thursday. They'll play Ottawa tomorrow. Ah, yes. Thanks, Jay. Also ahead. Well, there are polar bear swims, and then there are polar bear dips. A roundup of the icy challenge still to come. developing stories. We have teams in the field in some of the worst hit areas of this province. Global news is as local as it gets. No one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust with the stories that matter most to British Columbians. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. Neat day for hockey fans in Seattle, but starting with the Canucks. We'll start with the Canucks. Thanks, Jordan. Now Vancouver Canucks set to get going again. Haven't played since losing to the Flyers 4-1 last Thursday. They will host the Ottawa Senators tomorrow and then head out on that seven-game Eastern road swing. Senators were 5-1 winners on home ice against Buffalo yesterday. Rick Tockett using all this time off for a handful of practices. No excuses for the Canucks not to have jump come tomorrow night. Also need to get the power play cranked up again. It's been a, a couple of productive ga- uh, days of practice for the Canucks, according to Rick Tockett. I think the players wanted practice, uh, some touches. Uh, you know, I've heard some guys, you know, I, I want to get out there and get some touches, which is good. Um, yeah, and just trying to some five-on-play, five-on-five play scenarios. We did a couple of those last few days, so just to make it more refreshing, uh, like, like a fresher thing, you know, like it's like sometimes we forget certain things, and um, I just think it was something that we needed to do. I just think the last little bit, I think we've gotten away from our play without the puck. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we're horrible, but I think we can get a little bit better for our play without the puck. Um, and when we do make a mistake, not making two mistakes, I think that, that if we can get back to the level that we were, that will really clean up our game. Hey, Winter Winter Classic Winter down Classic. the I-5. We Seattle Kraken at home with the defending Stanley Cup champs. How about the players dressed up? Kraken? Fishmongers. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Elvis was in the house. Actually, a few Elvi. They're everywhere. Vince Dunn flicking it in from the point. Redirected in front by Ellie Tolvanen. Tenth for him. 1-0. Seattle watched a single mark in every period of this hockey game. Will Borgen skating onto the juicy rebound. Heavy blast coming up here from the point. Plenty of time to unload. Logan Thompson got a piece of it. But the end over end puck had a little bit of heat behind it. And it was 2-0 through 2. Yanni Gord scored to make it 3-0. Jack Eichel had a chance to break the shutout. But Joey Decord is going to make the outstanding save coming out here. He's going to throw the mid out there like he's Tino Martinez manning first base down in Seattle. Seen some great goalie saves actually the last week. Kraken win for the fifth straight game. They shut out Vegas 4-0, 7-0-2 in their last nine. They've only given up five goals during their five-game winning streak. 
New year and new beginnings in women's professional hockey. Today, the Professional Women's Hockey League officially dropped the puck on their inaugural season. Toronto hosting New York. No team logos or uh, names as of yet. That'll come eventually. Montreal, Ottawa, Boston and Minnesota formed the league's original six. No teams here in Western Canada yet for the time being. All 12 of Toronto games, by the way, sold out. I tell you, they brought in the heavyweights for this one. Billie Jean King there for the ceremonial face-off. With league founder Jana Hefford. Hefford's the senior vice president of hockey operations. That's Vancouver Island's very own Micah Zandi Hart. Yeah, there she is, our BC girl playing in the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League. Ella Shelton making history. That's the first goal in the league. And that puck is going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Second period, New York would add to their lead. Alex Car uh, Carpenter leads a 2 on 1. Keeps and fires. This is a great wrist shot. Wires at top shelf, 2-0 for New York. Just over two minutes later, Jill Saulnier is going to convert the uh, odd man rush. Jay Downey-Landry with the setup. New York adds another. They shut out Toronto 4-0 in the first ever PWHL game. Montreal's in Ottawa tomorrow for the league's second matchup. You see Lions quarterback Dane Evans has retired from professional football. He made the announcement on social media today saying that he's ready for the next stage of his life. Can't wait to see where it's going to take him. He also added in his social post that this may come as a shock to some people, but those who truly know what I put my mind, body, family and heart through the last couple of years know that this is the right time for this decision. Dane Evans dressing for 16 games for the Lions last season. His first and only season here in B.C., uh, his previous four seasons were in Hamilton. Dave Evans retiring from the CFL at the age of 30. There he is, hometown boy R.J. Barrett making his Raptors debut. He was acquired over the weekend from the Knicks for OG and Yanobi. 23-year-old shooting guard born and raised in Toronto. Raptors lost to the Detroit Pistons on the weekend who ended their 28-game losing skid. Barrett, 24 minutes of floor time. 14 points, Raptors 41 points in the opening quarter. They led at 67-59 at the half. Gary Trent Jr. with the steal went coast to coast. They are in the fourth quarter, 98-91 for the Raptors with R.J. Barrett making his Raptors debut tonight. That is your New Year's Day look at sports. Okay, good stuff, sir. Thank you. Up next, the brave and maybe a bit buzzed people who did the polar bear swim today. We'll show you that next. If you get global news from Instagram or Facebook, that has changed due to Meta's decision to block Canadian news in response to new government legislation. Easy access to important breaking news and information in Canada and about your community is no longer available on Meta platforms. Go to globalnews.ca and sign up to get news alerts delivered directly to you and learn about how Bill C-18 affects your access to Canadian news. No one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. Thousands of like-minded people lined up on Metro Vancouver beaches to start the new year with a polar plunge. For many, it represents a fresh start. And for others, it's mostly about wearing the best costume they can find. When attending a polar bear swim, you hear a lot of this. I absolutely hate cold water normally. So why spend part of your holiday putting on a costume? Yes, there were dudes, ducks, 
and penguins. Actually, he bought me the outfit. To throw yourself into the ocean. I love the feeling after you get out. It's, it's cleansing. The cleanse starts with a countdown. And is followed by screams. And a word we can't repeat on television. The Port Moody swim comes with a post-plunge perk, courtesy the fire department. At BC's largest polar bear swim in English Bay. How's the water? It's, it's warm compared to the North Pole. Warmer than most years, thanks to El Nino. There was even a cat in a hat that, don't worry, did not go swimming. White Rock always has a large swim. This year, no exception. But if there was a prize for this New Year's Day tradition, perhaps it would be awarded to the Bryce family from Telqua, near Smithers. The water temperature here, 0.1 degrees Celsius. And unfortunately, we both had to work today, oh, so, we, darn. so we missed out on it. But Have our director, it Sam, next year. she was out there, so credit to her. But yeah, you know, we were we're ready to go. Oh, sure. We just couldn't. We just got scheduled to do this. Yeah. We just... Well, Sam has done it several times, and she says even though it was supposedly a bit warmer this year, no, in her words, just pain every time. Mm. This year's no different. Mm. Way to go, Sam. Braver than us. <laughs> Next year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Next but now year. we're they're, they're going to play back this tape. Yeah. Uh-oh. That's the news hour. Good night. <laughs>